When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. I think this show would be better if we pretended that the Lakers didn't play on Sunday. Uh, because going into the Lakers game against the Suns on Sunday evening, I think the vibes around the team were mostly positive coming off of that win over the wizards um it was a fun one at least the fourth quarter was and lebron james was a lot of fun lebron james has been just fun in general at least on the court uh this season as a whole and then we got some you know quotes from anthony davis about how he's hopeful that he'll return before the season is over so i think spirits and at least relative to this season they're pretty high going into the game, uh, at least enough for people to maybe not feel confident, but think maybe this is our night. Maybe we, you know, kill a giant. And then uh, they lost 140 to 111, gave up 48 points in the first quarter alone. Just a awful performance all around. <laughs> Uh, I was going to try to find the stat that Frank Vogel had, but I believe he said uh, in the first quarter alone, the Suns had 20 transition points. Uh, It was a number that just didn't make sense, like if you just read it out. But if you watch the game, you'd have thought, no, yeah, that seems about right. So, gosh, I mean, I didn't have a lot of, uh, yeah, they had 20 fast break points in the first quarter. He said, quote, I don't know if I've ever seen that. This was as angry uh, as he's been about a loss this season for whatever that's worth. But I didn't have a ton of optimism about this game. The Suns are really good. Shocker. Uh, But they're the type of team that are going to give the Lakers fits just like a disciplined team. And the Lakers don't match up well with them. I thought this was going to be ugly. Devin Booker, for whatever reason, hates the Lakers too and uh, just always goes off against them. And when he started cashing three-pointers in the first quarter is when I thought, "Mm, this is going to get ugly really quick. So, yeah, I hope uh, many of you uh, tuned into winning time and not losing time tonight. (laughs) Yeah, that is a nice balance. Uh, This this show came out at the right time because – no joke at halftime i decided and you texted me the same that you just turned on winning time because the game just wasn't worth watching i mean the product hbo is selling is better than than what the lakers have on the court right now i think the lakers as an organization and like the players coaches anybody you know affiliated with that show would strongly disagree that it's a better reflection (laughs) um but i i you know i thought it was pretty good and we'll talk about that later in the show the one thing you brought up that i want to talk about just for a little bit is this resentment that the suns and suns fans seem to have towards the lakers and a comment from anthony davis i think sparked uh that discussion and you know rehashed that rivalry a little bit on sunday 
Uh, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but the gist of it was that he reiterated that the Suns essentially got lucky that that he got hurt. They, uh, you know, got away with one. I think is the the term he used, and the reaction to that from Suns fans, but also like non Lakers fans. Uh, was kind of to laugh at 80 because they ended up losing that series. And I get that. I get that if you're a Suns fan, you want to believe that even if Anthony Davis was healthy, they were coming out, coming out of that series on top. And given how talented they are and what they did for the rest of the postseason, I don't know if you can say with certainty that the Lakers would have wiped the floor with them in five games uh, had Anthony Davis been healthy. What I will say is the idea that it's preposterous to even assume that the reigning NBA champions at the time who upgraded their roster on paper were a very, very good team before Anthony Davis and LeBron James suffered their respective injuries and were up 2-1 on the Suns because of their style of play, not because of you know any extraordinary output from their role players. Like, you know, some would argue they got from campaign in that series. Like it's nothing out of the ordinary. It was just the Lakers playing their style of ball that won them the championship in 2020, except, you know, this time they had a little more shot creation from their guard positions and, you know, a more of an enforcer and somebody they can feed the ball to a little more in Andre Drummond. I don't I don't understand why it's so hard to believe that the Lakers might have come out of that series. They were a good team when healthy. And again, the reigning NBA champions, number one seed in the Western Conference pre-bubble. Like the Lakers last season were a good team. Probably could have made the finals health health willing. And I don't know. I think outside of Lakers nation, whatever you, you know, you want to call it the, and, and even inside in some cases, I just think we have uh, not, we, we, we've lost uh, what the Lakers were last season because of how bad this season was. And the fact that they were eliminated in the first round, like that team was good. And I think, should be remembered as a team that had their title hopes derailed because of injuries, even more so than this team. This team, no doubt, has had bad luck with injuries. But I don't think anybody at the end of this season will say the reason the Lakers didn't win a championship was because they were injured. I will go on record and say that the the reason the Lakers didn't at least contend for a championship last season was because of injuries. I don't think there is anything else you can point to. with, with that team. Yeah. So the exact quote, uh, well, it it's bits and pieces, but Anthony Davis asked if his groin strain is the main reason the Lakers didn't beat the Suns in the playoffs last year says, quote, it was, we know that they know that they got away with one. Yeah. And I think that is a personally reasonable statement. You can argue that you still think the Suns would have won. And I think that's fine, but people are acting like, there was no way the Lakers were going to win that series. That's stupid. The Lakers were absolutely in that series. 
in they were more than in the series. They were they controlled the series. Um, they were up two one. They were up in the second half of or in the second quarter of that game when he got hurt. They may not have been up, but they were. Uh, it was close. It was like a one possession game. They were in control of that series when he went down. Um, this is just kind of one of those things just in general that happens that as we get further away from something, um, they, it's just like, we forget the details, I guess is the best way of saying it. The thing I always think back to, um, this is kind of pro Lakers is the 2009 finals against the magic. We're actually incredibly close and it goes down as the Lakers winning four one. And it's, not an off-discussed finals, um, but they were really close multiple times to not winning games, but in the long run, they won the series, and that's what's remembered. That same kind of logic is applied throughout the NBA and the playoffs, and in this situation, it's going to be applied to the Suns and probably for their entire run where they... Look, teams get luck as part of winning a title, and the Suns had a good amount of luck when it came to injuries that year. Um, it's neither, it's not a, like, it's not downplaying what they did. They still had to win the games, but they got, I mean, frankly, they got lucky that the Lakers were got injured, that Anthony Davis got injured because what two nights prior to 80 getting injured was the greatest meme of that team. When LeBron's posting up Jay Crowder with Andre Drummond on the bench, posting up or doing the same thing. That game looked like the the Lakers had just ended the Suns. Like yeah. there was there was a feeling after that game, like oh, this series is done, and it it wasn't obviously. Like I said, that game was close when AD got hurt. Um, but yeah, the Lakers were in control of that series, and I would agree that injuries are the only reason they didn't contend for a title again. Um, I would say the Lakers gave them, when healthy, their tough, the Suns their toughest run of anybody in the playoffs up to the Bucks. Um, ultimately, though, I mean, the Suns won. They can go on and they can, I don't know, I'm not even making jokes. I don't know if they hung a banner for going to the finals. But, I mean, kudos to them. Like, they went to the finals. They took care of business. But, I mean, if the if AD's healthy, they're not. Like, that. They're down 2-1. They're they're at L.A. I mean, the Lakers still almost, like, messed around and won that game to go up 3-1 without A.D. for half of it. So, um, I mean, I guess I should say maybe they come back and win that series. Maybe things are different. But the Lakers were in control of that series when A.D. went down. And that changed the entire dynamic. There's just so much about what the Lakers – this like Lakers team with LeBron and AD, there's so much that's dependent on AD. You're seeing it this year. You're seeing it in the game on Sunday. They need AD to be the centerpiece defensively for things yeah. to work. And he, he, when he's not there, everything crumbles. And that's what happened in that playoff series. The, the Lakers did everything they could and through and tried everything to not get blown out in games five and six. And it, it didn't work, and the Lakers are trying everything they can this year without AD to to make things work, and they're still getting blown out on nights where LeBron doesn't score 50 points at this point. 
I, I think people just hear that conversation and assume that, you know, the Lakers and their fans just seem to think that they are better than every team in the NBA. And, you know, it's a conversation of a good team versus a bad team. But it may, like, make no mistake, those were two very good teams going up against each other. And it was going to be a close series um, if AD got hurt. I just think the Lakers matched up so well with the Suns that it wasn't even about like talent or roster construction, which as we've seen this season, the Suns are one of the deepest and most talented, well-coached, whatever superlatives you want to throw at them. They're so, so, so good. But the Lakers were that last year too. And I just think that's important to know. That's all I wanted to talk about for a little bit. Those were the two best teams in the Western conference last year. Yeah. And they, them meeting in the first round is, unfortunate um if the lakers had pretty much anybody else in the playoffs except that suns team i mean maybe things are different maybe ad gets hurt anyway but maybe they're able to get their footing a little bit and they don't have to go so hard so quick uh we'll never know it's pro- it's one of those things when i heard um i think it was a phoenix reporter that actually asked the question uh, because I didn't recognize the voice. They asked Frank Vogel the same question, and he he said that, I mean, he had a very diplomatic answer, as he would, and said that the Suns are really talented and you'll never know, basically. But I knew when he asked that, I thought, ooh, if he's going to ask this to other people, like, this is going to get sound bites. And it's one of those things with AD where, like, there it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Like, obviously, he thinks they're going to win. It's... Uh, but also, like you said, it's going to come across as like sour grapes almost that like, oh, you're still talking about this. And it's like yeah. he was asked a question about it. That's obviously how he's going to feel. That's what these guys say all the time, that they always feel that they're going to win and that they're the best team. And even if there was a legitimate case for it for the Lakers, then so be it. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those uh, bad parts, I guess, of social media and whatnot is – not that this was necessarily taken out of context, but you kind of need the context that this person was asking multiple people for a story that I presume is going to come out. And um, I mean, I wouldn't expect AD to think anything differently, honestly. Yeah. That's the other thing is you're not going to ask a competitor if, you know, their team would have won and expect a no, like, yeah, what are we doing? Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll transition into talking about, this team uh, for a little bit, and then we'll get into winning time because I would much rather talk about that. In this <laughs> team's team. I promised you we wouldn't spend much time talking about uh, Sunday's game, and I will keep my word because I, as I said, I only watched half of it because I think that was the only, I mean, I, I could have stopped watching after the first quarter. The fact that I watched the second quarter, I think is a testament to how hard I work at my job. Um, what I'd actually like to talk about are the positives from Friday's win, because although I, I I understand that it was against a pretty bad wizards team, I do think there were things from that game that if you're the Lakers, when Anthony Davis is healthy, you look at and go, okay, well, it's like, uh, that might be the reason our pal Raj thinks there's a good team in there. Like there's just enough good 
pieces to put around LeBron and AD to maybe scrape together a good uh, rotation for 48 minutes. And a big reason for that is the young guys, Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, and to a lesser extent, Wenyan Gabriel. I think Wenyan Gabriel was pretty good uh, against the Wizards and has certain, certainly played with more effort than we've seen from any Lakers big man this season, save for, you know, Dwight Howard when he has two weeks of rest. Like that first game back is always like, Dwight's back, baby. This is the player the Lakers thought they were getting. Um, I, you, so you watched a good amount of winning Gabriel, uh, at least more than I have. Uh, so you may be able to talk about this a little more. I don't know if he's a difference maker for the Lakers uh, because of his talent. I think he's more of a difference maker because of the lack of talent they have at that position. Yeah, I was going to say he's a, he's a difference maker for the Lakers, but he wouldn't be a difference maker for uh, kind of your standard NBA team. Um, yeah, I watched him in New Orleans last year. Um, I honestly had forgotten about him um, when the Lakers signed him. He was he was good in New Orleans. It was a similar kind of situation where Stan Van Gundy kind of buried him on the bench, and then a couple injuries meant that they needed him at the end of the year. And he came in and immediately fit in uh, with kind of their system and and played really well. And I. I had simply just forgotten that he hadn't been signed anywhere. He <clears throat> he he's similar to to kind of Stanley Johnson, I think, in some regards that he thrives in kind of a more chaotic system. Um, he he has he's a high energy guy, which you've seen. Um, he's not necessarily a big guy um, in probably 10, 15 years ago, he'd be called a tweener, which is now kind of coveted in the NBA. Um, but he's shown an ability to shoot a three, uh, which is something he's added progressively throughout his career. Um, and that's, that was really big in New Orleans. That's why he got minutes. And if he continues to get minutes in LA, uh, he'll need to continue to knock down threes. But um, I, I think he's a difference maker, like you said, because the Lakers don't have a ton of talent because he, I will say, I don't think Dwight's issue is an effort issue, yeah. Like he's trying to try hard. It's just physically, he can't do it anymore. Um, when is can physically do it. And, um, if I'm looking for like positives from that game, it is that the Lakers have something of a, a young core. I don't even know if you can call it a core. Cause I don't know how many of the guys are even going to be back next year. Don't even uh, talk about it. <laughs> I'm already like preparing myself for Malik in, in another uniform. That's going to suck. I really, really, really enjoy watching Malik Monk. And I think on a good team, like on a, on a well-constructed roster, he is uh, even more fun than he is right now. Like imagine Malik Monk, but if the Lakers were winning games, he'd, he'd probably won one of the stories of the season. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he's one of the stories of this season, but uh, it's more because the Lakers don't have many positives going on, <laughs> but um, 
yeah, this this team kind of has a a young core of THT, Monk, Stanley, Reeves, Winion is was kind of thrown in there at times, but it's really those first four, which again, I don't know how long they're gonna be here. I don't know how much of a core it really is, but on Wednesday or not Wednesday, on Friday it was fun. Um it was those four with LeBron really closing the game. And I mean, everything is fun when LeBron's scoring 50 points, but it was a group that was playing well off yeah. each other. They were cutting well, they were driving, they weren't standing and watching, which is one of the biggest issues. Um, and it was fun basketball to watch. Like you said, part of it's because the Wizards are bad, um, but the Lakers are bad too. So, I mean, like, uh, to beat a bad team is nice. It, I, I'll take wins however I can get them right now. And uh, that was a fun one. LeBron, though, is like, he's, you can't even, like, put it into words at this point. Like, it's hard to to just fathom that he's in year 19 just dropping 50 points like it was easy. He was 18 to 26, 25, excuse me. 50 points on 25 shots is absurd. Like you think back to when Kobe had his 60 point game and how much he had to work for that and compare that to what LeBron did on Friday. And it's just like, I don't take LeBron James for granted. I know Kevin Connor says, Kevin O'Connor says it all the time. This is, unbelievable um and i am thrilled that i get to watch it on a nightly basis i tweeted something on friday that got a like more abrasive reaction than i thought it would which was my mistake because anytime you mention like the lakers and success this season potential success (laughs) you're called a homer, um, you know, delusional, whatever. And I get that. Um, but if there's a less than 1% chance of the Lakers actually making a run at this thing and making the regular season look like a giant fluke, like none of it actually matters, which is a problem the NBA has in general. Uh, but when it comes to this specific team, it is LeBron James being LeBron James in the postseason with a healthy Anthony Davis, who for all the soft labels are that are thrown at him. Um, Anthony Davis always shows up in the postseason. If you look at his playoff stats, they're stupid. Like they're really, really good. And people will always point to the bubble as like an outlier for how well he played and how well he shot. And, yeah, I just look at last year's playoff series with the Suns and the things he was able to do in spite of his shot not falling. Like, I think people look at AD's ability to stretch the floor as a part of his dominance when really it's a luxury, and he's been able to dominate without that. Like, he made multiple All Star games without that being the, the like a big part of his game. Those two are just when locked in healthy stakes are high, I think are still the best one, two punch in the NBA. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I 
the the thing that I took away from the Wizards game um, was if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy, the Lakers maybe have enough guys to win a playoff game or two. It's cutting it close. You have to, it's not just those guys being healthy. You really need perfect health for to talk yourself into the Lakers playing well in the postseason. But between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Carmelo Anthony, and dare I say Russell Westbrook, I think that is a team that will not be as bad as the team we've seen in these last few weeks. Now, does that mean this team is going to beat the Suns? I seriously doubt it, let alone the Warriors or anyone else they they would see in the postseason. But I don't think they're going to get laughed off the court uh, if, and this is a big if because it's Frank, if the right guys are played in the postseason, I haven't completely given up on them at least winning a play-in or playoff game because I think, I don't know, I think there's just enough, just enough talent for for them to be a good basketball team, which is more than I can say about anything they've done at any any stage of the season. Have not won back-to-back games since January 7th. They've lost 10 straight road games. Yeah. They're the I understand they're bad. <laughs> and the looks you're giving me right now, I, I feel like a crazy person. Eh. But let I, I'm telling you. Look at the rotation. You you make a tight eight nine man rotation. LeBron James and Anthony Davis play forty two minutes in the playoffs. You let LeBron and AD do their thing and let everybody else fill the space, fill the gaps. And that's when you get into the conversation of okay, well the pieces around them. How do they fill in the gaps if they can't even play their roles competently? But I think we we've seen enough games from Austin Malik and Stanley to where I can feel comfortable giving them minutes in the postseason and saying, this is, this is our group, not Westbrook, not Bays, not Bradley. Like these are the guys you roll with in the postseason. and Friday's win doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. The Lakers are still a ways away from just the eighth seed in the Western conference, but results like that in which they perform as well as they did around LeBron James, I think matters for whatever little aspirations they have in the postseason, but next season too, because I, I do think at the very least Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson are back and Talon maybe. I would have heard an argument for next season. Uh, <laughs> the The Lakers are a game and a half up on the 10th spot. They're two and a half up on the, I'm not being in the playing game. Um, there are some assumptions being made by you that uh, I don't think the Lakers are are doing. I this team like fully mails in games against competitive teams, and that would change when AD's there. I I'm not sure AD is going to be back in time. It's it's going to be really close. You. It is going to be very close. Yeah, I don't think he comes back this month. Like yeah. uh, one of our mutual friends asked us if 80 is going to be back soon. I'm like, uh, if you mean this month, absolutely not. 
Yeah. He he will start doing light shooting today as you listen to this. And that's his first on-court work since the injury. He's out of a boot, obviously, but AD is going to be cutting it really close. Uh, maybe it's like last time where he comes back and immediately is fine, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I think the Lakers have largely mailed in this season, uh, especially any time that they face any kind of deficit against any decent team, which they're going to face a lot of decent teams. It's done. They, they're just, they just quit and they move on to the next one. And uh, that's something they kind of talked about after the game on Sunday that LeBron had a comment that like, this is a group that hasn't had to be in too many foxholes together. And they, they act like that. They just don't really fight out of, deficits against bad teams they'll make those fake comebacks that are never really anything um but uh the the biggest thing is that at this point it feels like the best case scenario is that they're going to get the eight seed and they're going to face the phoenix suns who i think is the worst possible matchup for them um for all the reasons we've talked about, Devin Booker despises the Suns. Uh, they're a disciplined team with a big that is good with Chris Paul. Um, and also the fact that you're making assumptions about what the rotation is going to look like that Frank Vogel, I don't think is making those same assumptions. Russ is going to play a good amount, even if he doesn't close. Uh, Avery Bradley, you didn't mention, and he's going to play. Um there's just some guys that are that are going to be in the rotation, whether they should be or not. Um, yeah, I I think this team is done. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they just missed the playing game entirely. Um, this just hasn't been a good basketball team. Um, phew, I don't even know when the last time I would consider them a good basketball team was. Um, you don't. You think there is a chance that they're not even. Uh, seated nine or ten. Oh yeah. Oh, see, I I cannot go there. I see their schedule coming up. Like it is, <laughs> it is not a fun schedule. I just don't think anybody below them in the standings like cares to make the play in. Like everybody is trying so hard to stay out of the play in picture. The Pelicans are going to pass them almost certainly at this point. Uh, they're a game and a half back, and they actually care right now. And they've been really good since getting McCollum. The Lakers' schedule is the other thing. Um, they, I was trying to pull it up to see um, what their strength of schedule remaining is, but, I mean, you mentioned it. Their schedule is not kind the rest of the way. Um, their Their final week is... Uh, in particular is bad. Yeah. They still have the hardest strength of schedule remaining. Um, It's just, I mean, I understand Portland is actively trying to lose games, except Josh Hart is going for almost 50 points again against the wizards. Big shout out to them for just letting someone score 50 a night on them. Um, I understand that the Spurs as well. Those are the only two teams realistically that could catch them. I just really, really, really think this Lakers team hates playing basketball games together 
and are not going to fight to try to stay in a playing game. So, yeah, no, I think there's a very real chance that they miss the playing game entirely. I hear you. I see you. Okay. <laughs> I get that. I just think, and again, this is a very small part of me that believes this, but the small part of me that believes it, believes it strongly. The playoffs are a completely different animal when it comes to basketball. And I think the intensity of the playoffs will bring out the best versions of everybody on this team, including Russ. Now is the best version of Russ in 2022, a good basketball player. I don't know, but I think it's better than, than what it is right now. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I certainly think are going to put fear in, in some teams. Like, if they get to a point where they see the Suns in the first round, which is best case scenario, as you said, I think they will do enough in that first game for the Suns to be like, okay, well, we're there. They're not just going to roll over. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on that team. We need to actually like tighten up, and maybe they win the series then. But haven't ruled it out. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the reason I believe a little bit. That's all I have. I. The Suns are a team that uh, I don't think that you're going to have to convince them that this Lakers team's legit, mainly because I think they just get a special joy out of beating the Lakers, and they're going to be up for that for four games. I don't know why so many guys on that team, it seemed like, despise the Lakers. Uh, Jay Crowder, Booker that I mentioned, Chris Paul is going to have them ready. He loves beating up LeBron, so... I can't get with you on this one. I think I think there is a much better chance this team misses the play-in game than even certainly than they make the playoffs. I think there's a better chance they miss the play-in game than win a play-in game. Okay. I this sounds like a bet, but we'll sort this yeah. out at a later date. Let's <laughs> let's see they make the play-in game first and then we will set the term. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about and I know you've been waiting to talk about this, is HBO's winning time. Uh, Watched the first episode, was not able to do a review on it. Uh, Last week, I watched the second episode. Um, I think I'm in. Like, I think if you're not a fan of Adam McKay, you're probably not going to like the series at all. Uh, Or you won't like it as much as if it were shot straight. Um, you know, none of the fourth wall stuff, none of that. And I think I almost would have preferred it if it was shot straight because there is a lot of, um, I mean, the the 70s vibe to it, like the grainy film uh, filter, whatever you want to call it, that they, that they used to shoot this, the types of cameras. It looks really, really good and authentic. And obviously the subject matter itself is, just really interesting uh, based on Jeff Perlman's book, which, you know, knowing Jeff has to be extremely well-sourced and, you know, none of this stuff even makes it to air without some, like most of it being historically accurate. And I think for that reason, I, it's been really enjoyable for me. Obviously I was born before the Showtime era uh, so this has been really fun for me in the same way that the last dance was a lot of fun for me. Cause I missed that entirely. Um, so yeah, I, after two episodes, I'm 
I'm fully in. I love John C. Riley as mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Bus, Doctor Jerry Bus. He is incredible. It was a, it was a weird casting decision. Um, it would. <laughs> I know it, it kind of ruined their friendship, but it would have been really weird with Will Ferrell in there. I can see why he didn't want that because with Will Ferrell in there, it's just not serious at all. Like it's just a straight comedy and that's not what they wanted. Um, John C. Riley is kind of that perfect blend of comedy and like you can take him seriously in the scenes that you need to take him seriously in, whether it's the meetings with Red Arbach in uh, last night's episode or um, when he's like talking in that like front office meeting where he's trying to tell them like spend whatever money you need like y- he can like get a point across that Will Ferrell would not have been able to do um, my biggest complaint <laughs> so yeah I watch we watched or I watched the first episode last week uh I was we, I was off. I didn't put two and two together. We kept talking about how we were going to pod about it, and then I realized on Sunday, oh, I'm I'm off, so we can't pod. Um, so I'd seen I've watched both of them. My biggest complaint is all of the like outrage about how Jerry West was portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, it's a dramatization; it's not a documentary, and they make that very clear at the beginning. They tell you it's a dramatization. Um, Obviously, he wasn't like this, like anger, rage filled guy that's tossing MVP trophies through a window. But, like, there's only so much that they're going to be able to show you in a one hour window when they do, I think, 10 episodes. Like, there's certain things they have to kind of cut through and get to the chase. And,. I thought this week was a, I don't even know necessarily the right words, a much more humanizing look at Jerry West that um, I'd read his autobiography. So I knew about his upbringing, but I mean, a lot of the arguments that were made were like, Oh, people who didn't know Jerry West are going to think he's this and that. When I think they did a really good job of kind of setting the, the table with the first episode and then explaining why, why he is portrayed like that in the second episode. I I thought they did a really good job with Jerry West and kind of explaining him again, obviously it's still a dramatization. um, But everything about his, his upbringing is true. um, And he talked about it in his own biography and I mean, he talked about when he won the title that they showed when he finally wins the title and he's at the bar three hours later because he struggled to find happiness even in that. So um, he was a, a, or is, I shouldn't say was, he is a tortured man that has a lot of personal demons. Um, and I thought the show did a good job of of showing that this week and yeah, I'm fully in on this show. I've tr- I've recommended it to people who don't even like like the Lakers. I think it's a a great show, even just for like a casual NBA fan. Um, and I mean, we haven't even barely gotten to like a basketball part of this. It's just mainly been the summer before um, 
before the, the season even starts. So I'm excited to, to see this continue going. I can't help but think about the fact that they also picked up the option on Jeff Perlman's other book about the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, which like you don't got to dramatize any of that. <laughs> that team was a damn soap opera. So um, I'm excited to see where this goes though, because they already are planning out a second season. Like they have a very clear path that they want to go on. So I, I really enjoy it. I like how they handled Jerry uh, West's story this in this week's episode. Um, I, I'm blanking on his name. The the actor who plays Magic Johnson, um, I believe Isaiah Quincy, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. He is absolutely nailed Magic Johnson so far, which is a really hard person to nail. But uh, he's done really well at that. So there were some really tough casting <laughs> decisions they had to make. And so far, we haven't seen a ton of Kareem. It's been really funny stuff when when we see him. But so far, like with Jerry Buss and Magic, and I think that Jerry West's character is, play, is, is portrayed really well. Um, I, I enjoy it. I think they've done a great job so far, and I'm really excited about what the rest of the season holds. Yeah, I imagine, um, I mean, you don't have to imagine you have the screeners, uh, which which was <laughs> the other peculiar part of this is I feel like a lot of people that had the screeners and had that reaction to the first episode and the way Jerry West was portrayed, just like telling on yourself that you you didn't watch the second episode despite having access to it. So uh, I imagine the rest of the series will kind of tiptoe on giving everybody an episode, uh, which is really exciting. Obviously a lot of it's going to be centered around magic Johnson. So whoever the episode is about uh, is going to be, you know, the B storyline to whatever's going on with magic uh, and, and Dr. Jerry bus, who, as you mentioned, John C. Riley's doing a really good job. Um, like if you didn't know who Jerry Buss was before or had like a very uninformed opinion of Jerry Buss, I think the Lakers should be grateful of uh, the portrayal John C. Rowley's doing because he makes him out to be really likable and charismatic. And uh, I can't say he wasn't those things because, again, this is before my time, uh, but he certainly appears to be that way in this series. You mentioned the casting and the Shaq and Kobe uh, series, potential series. The one thing I ask is that the Lakers or um, HBO, the casting director, whoever it is, does not cast Michael B. Jordan as Kobe Bryant, because that has been floated for, I don't know how many years now as a, possibility if they ever did a biopic on Kobe Bryant I can't tell you how much I would not enjoy that so it I I hope they go through the same casting process they went through for this series because I think they nailed on Quincy Isaiah with Solomon Hughes I think there are some shots he looks exactly like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar which is insane because of how massive and like iconic Kareem's just entire you know physique is um I hope they go through the same process because that has the potential to be a great series ruined by just another subpar Michael B. Jordan performance. 
Oh, so you're just not a Michael B. Jordan fan? No, I, I, uh, I don't think he's very good uh, in, in mm. like anything. So, oh, I was, I was gonna ask why, uh, why you were so adamant against it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, any Shaq and Kobe uh, series is, it's gonna be a wildly unenviable, unenviable task trying to to cast Kobe and and play him to be honest um what you can kind of get away with it with this showtime uh series is that a lot of people like we've like we've confessed just didn't know better like don't know these guys don't know that era weren't around then uh so you, you can take some liberties um you can't take those liberties with Shaq and Kobe cuz everybody was around then also, like it's, I know this is very way out there. Um, if you haven't read Jeff Perlman's book about, I think it's called Three Ring Circus about the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Kobe isn't painted in a great light. Kobe wasn't a good person back then. <laughs> like he wasn't a good teammate. Like he was, he was a dick. So like, you're also gonna have to um, try to figure out how to walk that line as well. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be a, a grand undertaking to try to make that series. But I mean, based on what they've done with, with winning time so far, like if you can get the same people in charge of it, I would have faith because yeah, through two episodes, I, I love winning time. I, uh, John C. Riley, I, I don't think he's very far off, off what Dr. Jerry Buss was. So um yeah i'm excited it's gonna be a, a fun series to keep watching i earnestly you said i do have the screeners i earnestly haven't watched past episode two yet I'll, I'll probably watch a couple more this week but i'm very i i've had to have a lot of self-control because we've been writing kind of fact-checking pieces after each episode which uh the one for episode two is up on the site now um so like i want to make notes and like fact check things as they go and uh it, I can't do that if I watch them all at once. So I want to watch them all at once, but um, yeah, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season holds. Though. We will be back next Sunday to talk more Lakers, maybe talk some more winning time. Um, but given the like circumstances of the team, I think we did a pretty good job of filling up the episode of things to talk about, because as we've said, uh, plenty of times on the show now it is the the biggest challenge is trying to talk about this team as if there are new problems with it uh with them because the same problems have existed since day one uh yep. except now those problems are like plus dj augustine people <laughs> like it's the same show just like uh you know two new cast members it's all it is so uh I guess uh, we'll see you next week with hopefully a better record and uh, in a new episode of Winning Time. See you.